Lord's Health System, one of the region's leading healthcare providers, proudly presents Lord's Health Talk. Here's Melanie Cole. Inflammatory bowel disease can be a difficult condition deserving the utmost attention because of the potential severity of its symptoms. Lord's GI specialists take an aggressive, proactive approach to IBD to minimize the amount that the disease is interfering with a patient's life. My guest today is Dr. Andrew Kahn. He's a gastroenterologist with Lord's Health System. Welcome to the show. Dr. Kahn, what types of issues constitute inflammatory bowel diseases? Well, these are chronic diseases that can affect uh, young people's lives uh, and basically are chronic illnesses that can present with bleeding, abdominal pain, um, change in growth rate in in young children, uh, and can really have a major effect on the quality of life of of young people, such as teenagers um, and even uh, adolescence, which this uh, disease affects, uh, but that doesn't exclude, you know, patients who are older. Uh, We see even up into the 40s and 50s, and more recently, even an older population, which now uh, are being found to have the disease. So since we're talking about Crohn's, mostly and ulcerative colitis, and we're seeing more and more people coming up with Crohn's, Dr. Khan, what are some of the symptoms that, that parents for the young people should look out for, or even older people, because we all sometimes feel bloating, we all sometimes get diarrhea. What, what are some right. red flags that would signal a doctor's well, red visit? Red flags that really should be considered with anyone, particularly older patients, would be a change in bowel movements, uh, often diarrhea, sometimes bloody diarrhea, lower abdominal pain. In younger people, you tend to see weight loss, failure to thrive. You notice their growth rates are retarded for their uh, appropriate uh, age and and, uh, height and weight. All should be signals uh, for consideration of an underlying inflammatory process. Uh, I think the older people tend to present with generally with fairly classic symptoms. But if they have Crohn's disease, um, many people will have involvement of the distal small intestine and will present more with right lower quadrant pain, possibly decreased appetite, weight loss, uh, and sometimes they'll present with complications uh, such as uh, bowel obstructions and, and require hospitalization and potentially even surgery. So how would this be diagnosed if somebody does have some of these red flags or a parent notices that their children right. are having growth issues, then what is the first thing that you do to diagnose this? Well, first of all, taking a full history, um, asking about family history. Often there is a genetic component, but not necessarily in all patients. Uh, you ultimately do do laboratory studies and sometimes measure some simple tests such as inflammatory markers such as a C-reactive protein, erythrocyte sedimentation rate. Uh, Often it really requires an endoscopic uh, evaluation, usually a colonoscopy. And sometimes we use other uh, methods such as video capsule endoscopy to look at small bowel disease. so those are some of the common 
common tests that we do. Uh, we also tend to use imaging, but we tend to stay away from simple things such as CAT scans because of the radiation in younger people. And now there are better tests that are done through using an MRI scanner uh, that can be very good at looking at small bowel disease and giving uh, good information. So then if you do diagnose Crohn's or ulcerative colitis by some of those endoscopic methods and a history, what is the first line of defense? Because it can be quite a a disturbing diagnosis for a parent to hear. So what do you tell them and what is your first line of defense for treatment? Well, actually, um, there are a couple of things. Besides just, you know, having frequent follow-up visits to get them to understand their disease and be part of the process of treating their own disease, often we'll start with first-line agents such as mesalamine, which come in various forms that people may have heard of, such as acicol um, or pentassa. There are various new formulations. They're actually are rectally administered formulations. As people get have that's basically for mild disease, but as people get disease where they're having more severe pain, more bleeding, weight loss, uh, and symptoms aren't responding to basic therapy, one, we may use steroids uh, such as prednisone. There are some newer steroids uh, that tend to have what's called a first-pass metabolism through the liver so that you don't have the long-term side effects. Uh, potentially of prednisone. But the other thing is I always tell somebody that once you start on steroids, the patient needs to be started on a higher level of therapy uh, to get them off the steroids because steroids, as you know, just about for any use has many potential complications, the biggest of which in, in inflammatory bowel disease patients are osteoporosis, uh, as well as affecting blood sugar, potential blood pressure, um, and something called osteonecrosis. And then for those who are refractory to steroids, uh, we use things such as immunosuppressants, such as azathioprine. Now we use a little more methotrexate because of the possible side effects of azathioprine uh, with concerns of lymphoma, and we're using biologic agents, I think, more, more, uh, I should say, sooner in someone's therapy than waiting longer in their disease to finally put them on, uh, because the biologics tend to be more potent. They tend to be more effective at suppressing information and decreasing um, inflammation and getting someone into remission. Problem is, is you, if you wait too long, that inflammation that you've been treating with this sort of upward scale um, of mesalamine, steroids, immunosuppressants can lead already to uh, end point of disease, which is stricturing, which can lead to bowel obstructions. And when you start someone on a biologic like that, it's not going to be effective. So newer newer therapy recommendations are starting patients sometimes more more sooner 
should I say, with biologics to really suppress the inflammation, especially in people who have certain characteristics who potentially um, sort of prognostically may not do well. Now, Uh, let's talk about diet for a minute, because mm -hmm. this seems to be a a real source of interest. Diet for Crohn's disease, Mm -hmm. cutting up vegetables, raw vegetables. I mean, what you want people to eat healthy, and yet there's a lot of things that they cannot eat that would be considered healthy by normal diet standards. Well, it depends a little bit on their disease. For example, if someone has bad Crohn's disease and they have a lot of inflammation and potentially because of all the inflammation narrowing of their small intestine, you certainly wouldn't want them to be eating fresh vegetables um, and roughage that potentially could exacerbate their disease. Um, However, eating healthy is very important because one, you lose an incredible number of calories that are being burned up just due to the inflammation in the gut. So you're losing a lot of calories, and you got to replace those calories, otherwise you're going to lose weight. And in doing so, you know, if someone's having a flare, they may actually stay on clear liquids, or they may ultimately go on to a bland diet, or they may have to chew the food extremely well. There have been a lot of studies looking at diet and inflammatory bowel disease. And there's not been anyone in particular, i.e. any particular diet, that seems to be more effective uh, or in terms of uh, disease outcome than any other. Although there have been some interesting studies now with diet and affecting the uh, gut microbiome or all of the bacteria, fungi, and viruses that make up the biome inside the large bowel. And there have been studies looking at various diets which have had an effect on changing the microbiome. And are you discussing like probiotics and things that contribute to that good gut flora? Well, everybody, for example, and anyone, for example, who's taking an antibiotic, you're potentially going to affect that gut microbiota because, you know, even though you're you're treating somebody for a specific indication, often these are broad-spectrum antibiotics and often wipe out bacteria elsewhere in the in the in the in the body, especially the gut, even though that's not the maybe the intended target. And obviously taking a probiotic is helpful to try and maintain that normal flora. However, in inflammatory bowel disease, the only true effective use of probiotics has been with ulcerative colitis. And in just the last few minutes here, give your best advice for sufferers of inflammatory bowel diseases and why they should come to Lourdes for their care. Well, I I think a couple of responses to that. One is there is such an incredible um, wealth of new information, research, and medication availability that treating people with disease is becoming um, a little bit more um, in a boutique fashion to the point of 
what part of your bowel, how's it been affected, really ultimately may be determined on some of your presenting symptoms. So I think the armamentarium that we have to treat the disease is tremendous, and it, it is continually increasing based upon a lot of studies done on the immunology and what's happening at the gut level. Obviously, the main decision is patient-centered approach, which is ultimately the patient learning so much about their disease and how they're feeling that they can help guide their own therapy. And the other is having a physician with whom the patient feels really comfortable with and can contact if he needs to. So I think there's tremendous amount of new information, treatments each month, each couple of years, each year are new biologics coming out and different from the ones that are available now, all treating inflammatory bowel disease from a different approach. So I think there's great hope for the disease and I think our national leaders uh, believe that there will be a cure in our lifetime, which is tremendous. Oh, wow. That's such great information, Dr. Khan. Thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your expertise. You're listening to Lourdes Health Talk. And for more information, you can go to lourdesnet.org. That's lourdesnet.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.